Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. Glad you're here today and ready to study the Bible for a little while. That's what we do during this program for 30 minutes is answer questions just as quickly as we can to help you know your Bible. And there's a phone number and a website on the screen. You can use those anytime to get in touch with us and let us know what you'd like us to talk about on Know Your Bible. Detailed questions or general questions about the Bible, uh, some life questions, current event questions. We get all those kind of things. Uh, one People wonder what the Bible has to say about something, and we're happy to try to find it for you. If we can't find it, we'll tell you that. Bible just doesn't talk about that, but the Bible talks about most things. It pertains, everything that pertains to life and godliness, it says. So uh, we're ready to answer questions, and when I say we, I mean Toby Levering, my partner. Hi, Toby. Good morning, Steve. Glad you're here. I'm Steve Tandy, and we're going to answer some questions, but you get one first. So here's our audience question for the day. What was Joseph's occupation? And when I talk about Joseph, I mean the... uh, father of Jesus, the stepfather of Jesus. So uh, what was his occupation? And we'll give you the answer to that at the end of the program. Looks like I drew number one today, and some people say this is the hardest question in the Bible. Uh, what is baptism for the dead in 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty nine? Uh, you read some commentaries, and people say this is the hardest question nobody knows, and go on and on about it. Uh, it's hard because we don't know what Paul was talking about for sure. I think it's easier than some people make it, but uh, uh, let's just read the verse and then we'll talk about why it's supposedly hard. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Okay. So, some of you may know that there is one religious group that teaches you can be baptized for dead people. If you've got an ancestor that died and didn't know Jesus, uh, you can be baptized and have it count for them. Well, they get that doctrine from this verse. And that's why some people say it's really hard to know what Paul's talking about. Uh, We don't know of anybody in Paul's day that practiced something like that, that were baptized for people who were already dead. Uh, So we just don't know what Paul might have been referring to. So uh, I think if we look at the context, it's much easier. What Paul's talking about is the resurrection of the dead. Uh, Some people were teaching the people in Corinth that there wasn't going to be any resurrection, that once you die, you're just dead. And Paul's argument was, well then why would anybody be baptized? Because you're being baptized for something that will happen after you die. You'll go to heaven after you die. 
And if there's not going to be a resurrection, uh, why would anybody be baptized for when they are dead, is what I think the verse really means. So uh, his argument is, well, if we're going to just die and there's no heaven or anything after that, then the whole thing's worthless. There's no need to be baptized, no need to follow Jesus, all that. And he says that in other places, too, that if there is no resurrection, then we're miserable. we got no hope. So if you look at the context, I think he's talking about resurrection, and he's simply saying, uh, well, you're Christians, you've been baptized. If you don't think there's a resurrection, why were you baptized? You were baptized for when you're dead. So I think that's his argument. I think it's simpler than some people make it. Uh, The practice that one religion practices about being baptized for dead people is certainly anti-scriptural, anti-biblical. It's pointed out the man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. What people do on earth has nothing to do with uh, your status at judgment. All right, Toby, what's your viewer interested in? Well, they want to know about the Ten Commandments. And we do get this question from time to time on Know Your Bible uh, in some form of uh, variation about the Ten Commandments. Their question is, why do churches not teach the Ten Commandments like the Bible tells us? Okay, well, um, the, first of all, to understand the Ten Commandments were part of the law given by Moses to the Israelite people. Uh, they were part of the old covenant now they are the foundation for a lot of our own laws in uh, the united states today Uh, they are moral laws they teach us uh, what god's expectation of us between uh, man and his relationship to god but also of mankind and their relationship to one another And they're good moral laws. They help us to think about the right way to live. And some people, sometimes you'll hear that. But people just live by the Ten Commandments. uh, Everything will be okay. Well, there's a couple problems with that. Number one, uh, the old law was not just the Ten Commandments. Uh, There were well over, by some counts, 600 commands. Uh, God never delineated these ten as more special or these are the ones you really have to follow. His expectation was the whole law. Now, if a church wanted to teach the Ten Commandments, uh, that's fine. And uh, we, you know, uh, teach them. I'll get to that in just a second, uh, why we teach them. But uh, the uh, the Ten Commandments were part of the old law. And so if you're going to teach and bind people under the old law, You've got to teach the whole law. So we get back into the sacrificial system of worship and and all of the commands pertaining to the temple. I mean, if you're going to go with the law, you've got to keep it all the way. The, the, just one other problem with that, there's a, a, a pretty much um, among human beings a 0% success rate of keeping the law. You see, the problem is <clears throat> the Ten Commandments are good, but but what happens if you break one? You ever tell a lie, even a small little white lie? Oh, you've broken a command. Do you know what the law prescribes for those who sin, who break the commands of God? Uh, the, the only punishment for, for sin is death. Uh, That's why all the sacrifices under the old system required blood, uh, because that was how serious God took sin. It wasn't, oh, I just broke a command, and I know I should have done better, and it's, it's okay, God, God winks at it, and we're buddies. No, I mean, that's, that's not the essence of the law at all. 
the less the essence of the law, the Ten Commands, the six hundred commands, was to point out exactly how unable we were to be perfect on our own merits, to keep the law perfectly, to keep it one hundred percent. So what we need is a savior, one who did keep it perfectly, and one who became the perfect sacrifice for sin. Uh, we know him as the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. And in him, we find a righteousness that is better, far, far better than our righteousness that could be attained under the law. Now, does that mean at church or at Northside uh, we teach that it's okay to break the commands? Certainly not. In fact, nine of the Ten Commandments uh, are repeated under the new covenant in Christ. And so we understand as followers of Christ, we're not to steal, we're not to lie, we're not to commit adultery, we're to worship the Lord, and so on and so forth. The one command that isn't committed uh, repeated is the command to keep the Sabbath day, and so we don't observe that. Uh, now, uh, let me give you one verse, and you can read the whole chapter if you like. But Romans chapter seven, verses five through six, clarifies uh, the difference of the covenant under the law and the covenant of Christ. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So the Ten Commandments, uh, nine of them were repeated. They are part of our relationship with Christ, part of His expectations, but we are not under the law any longer, uh, and that's a good thing because uh, we're not very good at keeping it. So I hope that clarifies <laughs> Oh, interesting question here. Viewer says, I was baptized for the remission of sins. Uh, the church I'm attending tells me I have to be rebaptized to be a member of their church. I don't want to be rebaptized. Are they right? All right. Uh, I'll say this first. Yes, they are right. It's their church. Uh, they named it. They've written the rules. And if they say you need to be baptized to be a member, then in that sense, they're right. Uh, if I go to visit a rotary club in town uh, and I want to be a member, they've got rules. They'll tell me what the rules were. I can't argue with them. It's their club. It's their rules. So same principle there. Uh, if a church says, here's our rules, then you've got to follow them if you want to be a member. Now, if you're asking, are they right by the Bible that you have to be rebaptized to become a member of a specific congregation or church, uh, no, the Bible doesn't talk about that. So I don't think they're right in uh, the rules they've written, but once again, it's their church, they can write the rules. Uh, what the Bible talks about is baptism one time for the remission of your sins puts you in the church, the church universal. And let's read that passage, or one passage that says that, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Uh, Paul is writing to Christians in Rome, but applies to all Christians. He says, don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? <coughs> we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. 
So Paul's picture of baptism is that that's when we're united with Jesus in his death. We are buried in the water, we're immersed, and we're raised to, to walk in newness of life. Acts chapter 2, the first time that happened, uh, 3,000 people were baptized. And Acts 2 and verse 47 says, The Lord added them to the church. The Lord added to the church those who were being saved. So, that's what the Bible says about baptism. Now, if you want to be a member of a specific church, a congregation or denomination or something, uh, then you have to go by their rules. Now, we at Northside Church of Christ and most churches of Christ try to be just the New Testament church. So if you come and say, what have I got to do to be a member of your church? Uh, We'd say, have you been immersed for the remission of your sins? Uh, We believe immersion is Bible baptism. We believe the purpose was to remit your sins. So if you've done that, and agree to follow the leadership of our elders and all that, you can be a member of our church. You don't have to be re-baptized. Uh, the Bible doesn't talk anywhere about re-baptism uh, to be a member or anything. So if you're a member of the Church Universal and want to associate yourself with uh, the Northside Church of Christ and uh, follow our leaders uh, lead on things and be an active part of that family, you can be. Uh, so that's my answer. Well, yes, a church has a right to make their own rules. And, uh, but I don't think that one's biblical, but if your answer, <laughs> if you're asking what the Bible says, that's a little different question. All right, let's take time and talk about studying the Bible. We enjoy answering questions each week. I hope you learn a little bit during our 30 minutes together, but There's a whole lot more in the Bible than we'll ever get to on this program. So we do talk about studying the Bible at home. We've got some ways to help you do that. We've got some Bible study tools that come to you in the mail. Uh, Here's the first set of lessons. There's eight lessons, just a good overview of the Bible. Uh, Not a denominational creed or anything else. It's just Bible study. If you want to learn about the Bible, we can help you do it. There's also some more advanced courses we've got after you get through with that first one. And each less course you complete, we've got a handsome certificate that we get to you uh, to indicate that you've accomplished something and we're proud of you. So you can study the Bible for a long time with Know Your Bible Study Tools. Just use the phone number or the website on the screen and you can get that started. We've also got this new online offering. Uh, Log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org and tell them you want the online Bible study. We'll get you started with that. If you want to use your phone or tablet instead of waiting for the mail to come each time you fill out a lesson, uh, that's the way you can do it. So we've got a number of options, all just designed to help you know your Bible. So let us know what you want, and we'll get it started for you. All right, Toby, once saved, always saved. Now why do some teach once saved, always saved? Well, uh, my simple answer to that is it's a very comforting doctrine. It is a teaching that really is designed to, and it takes some verses that I think are 
picked a little bit out of context, but are some verses that I think were designed to remind us of our confidence in Christ, our security in our salvation. Uh, but I think they just take it a little farther than what the biblical text intends it to be. You read Romans chapter 8 as one example. Uh, boy, I mean, what an encouraging, uh, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ and death and life, angels and all of this. Uh, it just reminds us of the great promises that we're a part of in Christ. And I do think we need to uh, realize that. I think there are too many Christians that have no joy in their heart because they're constantly living in fear. Uh, they go to the other extreme, which is not biblical either. Uh, they go from once saved, always saved, to once saved, almost saved. I mean, they just never feel like they are secure. They're always thinking they're on, walking on a tightrope and, and that uh, just one mess up and, and God's going to cast them down into the eternal fires. And I don't think that's a biblical idea either. Uh, what we want here <clears throat> is not a doctrine, a creed, or a teaching of human beings. We want something that's biblical. Now, we understand, first of all, that many disciples uh, over the course of 2,000 years of Christian history have chosen to follow Jesus and then forsook him. Uh, that happened when Jesus was alive. It happened in the days of the church, and it's going to continue to happen even in our day, that people can give up their salvation, uh, that it can be something that, uh, that they once adhered to, that they once followed, but still maintaining that free will, they choose to turn away from it. And that's a very, very sad thing. In fact, uh, one of the saddest verses in the Bible is John chapter 6, verse 66. At that time, many people uh, turned away from Jesus and no longer followed him. Now, those who believe once saved, always say, well, so, well you know, they, they never really were Christians in the first place. Well, I, I, I think that's dicey. I, I've, I've known people who followed Jesus, who believed him sincerely, who sought to, to put, align their lives with him, and yet they chose to leave the path. They chose to leave the straight and narrow and go to the broad path that leads to destruction. And I think most reasonable people would agree uh, we see that happen. Uh, I, I think that the, the biblical uh, idea is that you can be confident if you're in Jesus Christ. Uh, you can be secure in your salvation. But we must always be careful that we don't fall. We need to pay attention. Uh, we can't just put it on autopilot. Uh, we have to be thoughtful in what we do and making sure we're aligning ourselves to Jesus Christ and His Word. Uh, something we always say when this subject comes up, uh, your faith cannot be taken from you, but you can choose to give it up. And sadly, many have and probably many will. First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, the Apostle Paul warned this, Therefore, let anyone who thinks uh, that he stands take heed lest he fall. And he's not saying you're on the edge of, of losing it. He's just saying be careful, pay attention as you live in the world and go about it. I hope that helps you. All right, got a detailed question here. <clears throat> Viewers reading the Revelation 7, and there's a list of the 12 tribes, and Dan is not in the list. Viewer wants to know why is the tribe of Dan left out? All right, I said this is a detailed question, so. Uh, not everybody gets into this much detail, but we'll go through it. Uh, in the Old Testament, there were 12 sons of Jacob. 
They became the 12 tribes, basically, uh, except there's a little confusion because when they came back from Egypt and got the promised land, God divided the promised land up 12 ways. But it wasn't just the 12 sons that got the 12 pieces of land because Levi didn't get one. Levi was spread out among all the tribes, and they served as the priests, if you remember. And then Joseph was already dead uh, when they came back. So his, uh, well, all the sons were dead for that matter, but (laughs) Joseph really didn't have a tribe uh, in that sense. So he didn't get a land, but his two sons did, Ephraim and Manasseh. So that's how the 12 pieces of land were divided up. Levi didn't get one. Ephraim and Manasseh got one each. So that's where the 12 came from. Now, when Revelation 7 lists the 12 tribes of Israel, it does something a little bit different. Uh, It puts Levi and Joseph in the list, and it leaves out Ephraim and Dan. Uh, So our viewer asked about Dan, but Ephraim is also left out of the list. So... Why are Dan and Ephraim not in there and Levi and Joseph are? And the answer to that is nobody knows because the Bible doesn't say. It gives us no explanation. <clears throat> Just lists the 12 sons with Levi and Joseph, but leaves out the brother Dan and the grandson Ephraim. Now, the best guess is that if you read the Old Testament uh, history, Dan and Ephraim were the two tribes that caused the most trouble with idolatry. They were the two most likely tribes to keep going off into idolatry and were criticized pretty heavily by God sometimes. So that's why most people think that Dan and Ephraim were left out as they were the most idolatrous of the 12 tribes. But technically we don't really know. They're just not in that list. Um... So probably because they were idolatrous more than the the other ten tribes. All right, take just a moment and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. Uh, We're kept on the air by Churches of Christ, so we like to thank a few of them each week. And today, let me mention a couple in central Kansas, Sylvia, Kansas, and Isabel, Kansas. Uh, Both small towns, but both have very fine groups of Christians that meet as the Sylvia Church of Christ and the Isabel Church of Christ. Uh, Great folks, and we appreciate their support of our program. Both of them long-time supporters of this program, and if you'd visit one of those churches, you'd find folks that think and study about the Bible a lot like we do here, and I know you'd be warmly welcomed. So uh, visit one of those or whatever market you're in. Visit the Church of Christ near you. All right. Okay, we got a question about tattoos. Uh, why, uh, or I'm sorry, where are tattoos discussed in the Bible? Well, uh, on the subject of tattoos, there's only one place that I can find where tattoos are mentioned. Uh, it's the one verse people bring up if, uh, when it comes to this subject in the Bible. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28, we can look at on the screen. You shall not make any cuts on your body for, di- for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. Now, 
proof texting is this idea of we pick a verse out that agrees with something that we like or don't like, and we pull it out and we we use that Bible and just that's the proof right there. The problem is if we're if we're going to be consistent, we have to understand a little bit of context. Leviticus was written specifically uh, concerning the Old Testament worship. I mean, the Leviticus is the as Steve said, the Levite Levitical priests were the ones who conducted the temple and the tabernacle worship, and so uh, he is speaking here, the writer, uh, presumably Moses, is uh, applying this to Levites and to uh, their code of conduct, and if you want to pick Leviticus 19.28 as a proof that we shouldn't have tattoos, the, to be consistent, you also have to pick verse 27, which says, do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. Okay, so just a, a consistency. Far, there are probably more people that would hold to Leviticus 19:28 to say, "Ah, no tattoos." But then when it comes to verse 27, they say, "Well, I'm not. Oh, let's hold off on this uh, biblical text business." So we have to be. It's just a good lesson to be consistent in our application of Scripture. We need to understand that we. Uh, live in Jesus Christ are not under the old covenant any longer. We don't worship under the old system. We don't have all of the same rules that govern our affairs and how we're to conduct worship. It's a totally different way of doing things. And just understanding the difference in the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, if you sign up for that Bible correspondence course, that very first lesson will make this absolutely clear and clarify a lot of questions that we get. So uh, that's where it's discussed, but there is no New Testament verse uh, and there's really no other verse any other, where, any other place in the Bible uh, either condemning or accepting uh, the use of tattoos. So what do we have to do? We have to use wisdom and prudence in this area. Uh, Christians really have to give thought. If you're putting a permanent mark on your body, you need to give great thought to what message that is sending uh, to everyone and throughout all of your life for that matter. So give great thought to it, give great wisdom to it, uh, and uh, and think, is this the, what Jesus would want me to adorn my body with? Let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Uh, that's what the Bible says on tattoos. All righty. Will the church be raptured before the tribulation? All right. We get a lot of questions about the rapture and what's going to happen at the end times. Eschatology is the technical term for the study of the end times, and people believe a lot of different things about the end times. Our viewer brings up one common belief, uh, popularized by the Left Behind series, uh, premillennialism or dispensationalism, that uh, Jesus is going to come back and rapture the church, all the faithful, he's going to take them up. And everybody that's left is going to have seven years of tribulation. And then after that, Jesus is coming back to reign on earth for a thousand years and all of that. So that one belief of end times uh, is very popular. And I think it's incorrect. I think it uses a lot of uh, Old Testament prophecies that have already been fulfilled. I think it misuses revelation a lot. Um, so we don't teach that on Know Your Bible. We believe uh, that the end times are going on now. 
that it's going to get worse and worse. There's not going to be any warning. But Jesus is going to come one time. He's going to come with the spirits that are in the place of the dead. He's going to reunite them with the resurrected bodies. Those that are still alive will be caught up to be with them. Both good and bad are going to be raised from the dead uh, for the judgment or final sentencing, I think is a better term for it. Uh, so I think that's what's going to happen. There's not going to be a rapture of the church and a tribulation and Jesus coming back twice and all that. Uh, I will say this. If that happens, if there is a rapture and then a tribulation and all that, I want to be ready if I'm still alive. I want to be in the first group. I don't want to go through the tribulation. Uh, so my point is it doesn't really matter. Uh, be ready for whenever he comes. All right, we're out of time. Trivia question, what was Joseph's occupation? And Joseph, the father of Jesus, was a carpenter, uh, we believe. So we're glad you've been with us today. We're going to come back next week. We hope you're here then. Till then, have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.